Good Friday morning, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Blue Water Climate Control. Check them out at BlueWaterClimateControl.com, or you can visit them on Twitter at BlueH2O underscore Climate with Austin Price and Rob Lewis. I'm Brent Hubs. Glad to have you along with us on this Friday. I'm going to jump around a little bit as we jump into questions, and, and there's a reason for this because I want to get to this topic a little bit. But um, first question out of the gate is for high school, committed high school seniors not playing this fall. How do our coaches ensure the players are staying focused on their individual development? How many of our committed recruits need spring tape if not playing this fall to solidify the offer? Obviously, for 21s, if they don't change the signing date, the spring tape's of no value. But the NCAA Oversight Committee is uh, made their recommendation, and, and they are going to vote, Austin, on a measure that would prevent any fall evaluations. I don't think that's a huge shock. That would also keep the dead period in place through October, which is not a great shock either. But the question is now, and Rob, you can jump in here too, talk about uh, football, talk about basketball as well. If you're Jeremy Pruitt, if you're Rick Barnes, maybe not so much Rick Barnes, but if you're Jeremy Pruitt, how do you evaluate? And, and how hard is it to evaluate, not just guys that you're still trying to land commitments from, but your current commitments as well? Well, I think more than anything, Brent, uh, it's not gonna change anything in how they do things. I mean, you can say we're not going to have an evaluation period. What that means is coaches can't go out on the road, go to a game on Friday night, watch a kid play. But they're, at the end of the day, they're going, to, they're going to get on huddle on Saturday and Sunday and watch what the kid did on Friday night on huddle. There's no way to prevent really kind of an evaluation period, uh, even though, you know, it, it's basically just semantics. The coaches can't go on the road because the coaches in the Pac-12 and the Big Ten aren't going to be allowed to go out there and just have a free-for-all recruiting, you know, when the other three are, you know, preparing for games. And um, so I don't think it changes a whole lot. Now, do, do kids need, you know, spring? Yeah, they do. But the problem is, as you just noted, a lot of these kids are going to be signed before then anyway. So, like, if you're Colby Smith or any of those kids, like, you know, maybe you needed a senior year to kind of validate some things. Well, you're not going to get that now because the signing period ain't going to change. They're not going to bump that all the way back because, you know, Jalen Wright, who's another North Carolina kid, he's going to be here in January. You know, and I don't see them changing, you know, the just, you know, even for the kids that you know, aren't going to be early enrollees, I don't see them changing the signing day. You know, Rob, for a lot of coaches and a lot of kids, the spring's about making a reservation or a summertime commit's about making a reservation. And then the fall is for validation. What, what do you do? And, and Austin, you can jump back in here too. What do you do as a coach, Rob, when you when you don't when you don't have a kid's tape to watch? What what do you do there? I mean, look, we've I've talked about it. I've said this for years. The twenty the, the twenty five scholarships are the most precious things you own. As a coach, how do you handle a committed player who's not getting to play this fall? Yeah, I mean, for Tennessee, I don't think it's that big of a deal right now. I mean, I mean, they're sitting at twenty five. And they, it looks like they need 35. You know, the way they're recruited. I mean, I think they have a pretty good feel for who they want, or who they have, and who they want in, in, 20, in 21. I think it's, a, I mean, I think for Tennessee, and it's, I mean, I think it's more of an inconvenience than a, than a real problem because I think they're working ahead. I think they're, you know, moving towards 22 right now. I mean, I think. That's what this fall would have been about for them. I mean, I think it's a it's a bigger problem for the kids. And Austin, me and you talked about this yesterday when we were on the road. Tease for everybody that 
it's it's a bigger deal for kids like um the young man at um at McMinnville that we were talking about, CJ Taylor, who is just like way under the radar and just recently got a, a Mississippi State offer. I know um former Tennessee assistant Walt Wells offered him at, at Eastern Kentucky, but he's a guy that just got brutalized by not having a camp season. Oh, there's so, a lot of those there are a lot of those kids, tons of those kids out there. Let me tell you who I feel more sorry for than, you know, Colby Smith and Jalen Wright, who if, you know, they were if, – if they're not going to be early enrollees, they would be, have the chance to play in the spring as of now. I mean, who knows what happens in those, in those states. Uh, but you saw Michigan kind of, you know, you know kind of do a 180 and decide they're going to start playing high school football this fall. I feel sorry for Metro Nashville. I feel sorry for Shelby County. These, these states where the states are going on, you know, there's not going to be a spring football for those two areas. And the kids are practicing. Yeah, the, the kids are practicing. You know, it, it's, it's just it, – it's sad. To me, it's way more sad for them than it is for the state of North Carolina or the state of Virginia where those two school or those two states, they're just pivoting till the spring. They're not pivoting in Metro Nashville, and they're not pivoting in Shelby County. They don't know. And, and, and at the end of the day, you know, it, these kids get caught up in what is a lot of a political, you know, kind of tangle. Oh, I think. You know, hey, it is. Call it what it is. It, it, let's call it what it is. In this state, those two cities are, are, are the way they are because of politics. That doesn't make that each side right or wrong. I'm just saying that the kids are caught up in this, you know, s- small tornado, and they're going to be the ones that, that end up losing out. I mean, look at the kid at Cane Ridge. Last name's Lusk. Can't remember the first name. Starts with a Q. Again, two years ago, as a sophomore, Jesse and I did an interview with him. Kid had been offered by Tennessee, Kentucky, I think Arkansas as well. Last year, he tears his ACL. So he didn't play as a junior. And now isn't going to play as a senior unless Metro Nashville doesn't about face and changes their stance. You don't think that he kind of gets lost in the shuffle on this deal? I mean, a kid's life could potentially be changed where school is going to be paid for in some form or fashion. You know, even if he falls hard, he may fall to an Austin Peay or a Tennessee Martin or, you know, wherever, Tennessee Tech. That's still paid for school and i i just think that there's some kids that are going to be affected by this not just across the country but specifically in this state where you've got two areas that you know right or wrong they're choosing to not let the kids play and the season goes on around them without them yeah and if you fall that school may be paid for but not in its entirety because of how that's done so i mean it, it could be a huge impact on a family could be a huge impact you know for the opportunity for some of those kids out there because of what has happened all right let's go to Galilee this quick question here um any 21 Memphis prospects have committable offers I don't Tennessee's the, the focus in Memphis Austin's on 22 right yeah correct 21s um you know obviously you know they would have loved to have had you know the big boy you know out there at, at evangelical Christian school you know um but they, they did not land him. And, you know, other than that, no. I mean, the, the, the year in state, to me, on the whole, is a, it's a down year. You know, I mean, what do we have, like, nine four-stars in the state? We'll probably have them too many. 
in my opinion, you know, just kind of calling it is what it is. Um, a couple of guys that probably should be four stars aren't. Probably a few kids that sh- shouldn't be are. Um, you know, next year is a much bigger year. I mean, you look at not just because you've added Walter Nolan, but you got Ty Simpson, Walter Nolan, Dallin Hayden, you know, Isaiah Horton, Jordan James, Cam Miller, Cody Jones, Fisher Anderson, the Wade twins, uh, Barry on Brown. I mean, you can just, I mean, like, I mean, that just be like 10 kids. I mean, like, and, and that, and that's like, there's a bunch of kids underneath that level that are still really good players too. So, um, Next year's a really good year, especially in Memphis, where you do have Cam Miller and Cody Jones and obviously, you know, Dallin Hayden and, and you know, Walter Nolan. Um, but with the 21s, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was few and far between as far as number of kids in the state that Tennessee actually wanted in 21. All right. Hubbard, did, did Galilee just ask a question about Memphis? That's like, that's like AP asking a question about, like, what's the best, like, fast food hamburger off, Cedar, off the Cedar Bluff exit? <laughs> You're saying Galilee should know all those answers. I'm, saying, I'm saying Galilee's got his finger on the pulse in Memphis. All right, let's go to Noraval 99. Impact uh, on the impact of this year on eligibility. We've talked mostly about seniors coming back on freshmen. I just want to be clear. They can play in every game this year and still be a true freshman and 21 with five years to play four. That is correct. And the answer to that is yes, that is correct, based off of uh, what the NCAA has passed. And in most instances, none of the kids are like, oh, yeah, I got an extra year. Because in most instances, the thought process of of the mind is, I'm going to be three and done. Everybody thinks that. Drew Richmond, who redshirted as a freshman, thought he was playing two years, and he was going to the league. And that's the facts. So Kids don't want a redshirt. No. They don't he have any. He went to the league, like the Pac 12s league. Yeah, he transferred to that league. But most of these kids, you know, want to go somewhere and believe they're going somewhere after three years. All right, Bronco Vall, Uncle Austin. I've got to read this one because this is titled to you. Uncle Austin, is Catholics Tommy Winton a take for Tennessee? And is Tennessee recruiting Dallin Hayden as a running back or a cornerback? Well, Let's start with Dallin first. Uh, they were recruiting him as a, a cornerback. Now, is Dallin going to potentially turn into a running back? I think there's a chance. Obviously, he's had a strong start to his senior year or to his junior year. He went for over 260 first game, went over over 150 uh, last week. Tonight, got a huge game against MUS. This is a big game for the brothers at uh, Christian. You know, so I, I think ultimately. You know, he probably still sticks at corner, but I'm not going to say that he can't transform himself into a running back. His body's changed. Uh, more than anything, probably he moves into safety more so than corner in the secondary. And then Tommy Winton, at this point, I would not consider him a take at Tennessee, but I do think Tommy's got a chance to work himself into being one over time. You know, I, I, again, I think had Tommy been able to camp this summer, I think Tommy's evaluation in person for Tennessee coaches – would be different. And that's not to say that they've evaluated him in, in some form or fashion that's, you know, lower than what he is. That's not the case. What I'm saying is I think that they may be pushing harder for him had he been able to work out for them and them kind of get their hands on him in, in, in camp. They weren't able to do that. So now you're basing everything off of high school tape. Well, you know, Tommy played West Green first week, then did not play last week against, you know, Trinity. And so – they don't play tonight. So, I mean, like a lot of these, you know, schools when you're – when coaches 
are questioning a kid, they say, okay, I'm going to watch the first three games, the first three games of, of the season. And then we'll start to re- – and then we'll kind of, you know, see if you know, we change our evaluation. Well, there is no three games for Tommy right now. He's only played one, and it was against West Green. Well, of course, Tommy's going to dominate West Green. Chucky Doke. Or Chucky Doke. Whoever. But they well, played West team. Green the other day. You're the, you're the prep You're the prep assassin. Either way, they played a directional green. That he dominated. That he dominated. All right. And is, he, is, he, is he defensive back, AP? Uh, In college? I don't know. I'm not talking to Tennessee's coaches about that. Um, I like him wide receiver. I think Tommy's a really good player. Um, and I think he'll only benefit catching balls from Caden Martin. So, I mean, I, 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 I personally like Tommy Winton a lot. Let's go to volunteer at 87. Is the biggest winner of all of college football's uncertainty, Jamie Newman. He gets to evaluate his draft stock all season long without doing anything. Then he pulls the plug before every real, everyone realizes he's a mediocre quarterback. Uh, well, he's got to ha- – I mean, the NFL is going to work him out. So, whatever warts he has will be discovered by the NFL, regardless of whether he's playing football or not playing football. All right, let's assume – follow up to his question. Let's assume Gibbs is the only opt-out. Who logs the most defensive tackle time? Who logs the most defensive time? Who logs the most outside linebacker time this season? I start with defensive tackle. You know, I just think they're going to rotate in there. I, I don't know that there's anybody that logs a set period of time. A lot of bodies. Think. I think they're going to keep rotating a lot of guys there. I, I thought from the defensive end standpoint, look, Shelton Felton had everybody, you know, he was pretty fired up to do his interview, Rob. He had everybody having a great, having a great camp at this point, explosive step. Best offseason ever. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do think it's going to be interesting to see if, if DeAndre Johnson shows a pulse, you know, early in the year. Where, does he, where is he at? And then I think Roman Harrison is very important for Tennessee that he steps up moving forward. And, and look, I, Kevon Bennett's going to be there. I know that. I'm talking about on the other side. Can Roman Harrison adjust to being in free space and be a legit pass rusher off the edge? I, I think he's the biggest guy to watch there um, off the edge that way. Well, and, and I think and something AP has, has talked about a lot, how much are they in a four-man front versus a, a, a three-man front because of the – you know, you're set up much better, I think, on the defensive line than you are at outside linebacker. And, you know, how much are you playing like a, basically a four-two-five because you're in the nickel so much anyway. To me, the biggest X factor up front, I mean, Roman Harrison, where he's that outside linebacker, defensive end, what does he give you as a sophomore? Because he's clearly a guy that has some ability. Uh, Darrell Middleton, I mean, does he – does he find something? I mean, I mean, physically, he to me looks like by far the most gifted guy in the front seven. That's not named Henry Toto. He's just an X factor. I mean, can can he flip the switch? Can he can he find something this off season? Because that to me is some guy that the one guy I think that you know gave you something last year, but I, I don't think he scratched the surface of, of what he can give you potentially. All right, let's go to TGX outside of Trey on offense and Henry T on defense. Any idea who the leaders are on this team? And as a follow-up to last week's pod, has anybody had the burger at a bridge? I was shocked that none of you were stopping by there on your way out of town. Yeah, it's, it's good, by the way. Uh, it's totally. Old hat. Old hat. It's good. Solid. Um, when, when, uh, when our house was being built, we had to live in a little townhome over there right there near abridged for about four months. So, yes, abridged. Very, very good. That was an old Jesse Simonton hangout, by the way. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very familiar with the bridge. All right, let's talk about leaders on this that's, team. That's west to... of that's hold on a minute. That's west of North Shore. You said you don't go west of North Shore, Rob. I, but... I will. I will. I will go over Bearden Hill for. For but the bridge to, 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 peel, to peel back the to peel back the onion here for all you ball questers out there, Rob Rob lives. Uh, I'm not gonna tell you where Rob lives, but Rob lives east of North Shore, okay, and west of downtown. So y'all can figure it out uh, with your directions. I live in Hardin Valley. He thinks I live in Montana. So like, if you go to the Krispy Kreme right there at North Shore and Paper Mill, or or North Shore and Kingston Pike. He thinks that's like driving to St. Louis. So, again, that just gives you kind of a little bit of a, a pill back on old Rob. Well, if, that's, I had that's, to, if I had to go to Austin's house to eat dinner, I would have to, like, get a hotel room or spend the night with him. <laughs> well, clearly going past North Shore is heading out of town for Rob Lewis. There's no doubt. Well, let's not talk about Hubbard. Let, 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 let's lead to the guy's question, the football question. Uh, I'm out here in God's country, and y'all can just leave me alone out here on the other end of the earth. Um, who are the leaders on this team outside of Trey and Henry? I think Jared. I think Jared. Would you guys – the quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think Jared really has, has stepped up his leadership. You know, I put it in the war room on uh, on late Thursday night. Josh Palmer has really garnered praise from people around the program for the way he has grown up and become more of a mentor leader for those younger wide receivers, you know, kind of crediting Jawan and Marquez for, you know, doing the same thing with him the last few years. So um, I think the team continues to evolve and, and add new leadership. And call me crazy, I wouldn't call him a leader at this point, but I think within the next six months, 33 is going to be a leader on the defensive side of the ball, Jeremy Banks, because wow. because of his personality. People gravitate to him. I don't think there's any doubt about that, the way he plays. All right, uh, FL Dobbs, VFL. I don't think this is Josh, but – um, anyway, any concern over the lack of pass rush? Think that that has more to do with departing talent in Batuli and Taylor or more to do with maybe something else? Curious on your thoughts on the new coaches in Felton and Osavet. Seems like the two rookies got handed to Raw into the deal as far as personnel depth is concerned. Pass rush. I think everybody knew it was going to be a concern. Okay, I, I think it was going to be a worry. Who was going to replace Daryl Taylor? I know Kevon Bennett done some things, but now that people are focused on Kevon Bennett, how does he react? How does he play when he's in somebody's scouting report? Because he wasn't in a scouting report for most people last year. I think, Rob, the simple answer here is if you can play man coverage out on the corners, I think you'll see Tennessee be pretty exotic with where pressure's coming from. Oh, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I think you've seen Jeremy be pretty aggressive with his blitzes from day one. <laughs> he's, not, he's not afraid to, to dial something up and, and you know, take, take a chance. And, and to me, that, that is the best – answer to where's the pressure going to come from because I just I mean you lost a second round draft pick I mean do you see anybody on that in that front seven outside of Henry who's not a pass rusher who's who's that kind of talent I mean I don't right now I mean maybe maybe Roman Harrison is that guy maybe Darrell Middleton is that guy but they certainly don't have the body of work to where you say that there's eight or nine sacks coming from one individual like you had with Daryl all right, go Vols 2019. We've heard a lot about freshman wide receivers, but one name we haven't heard a lot about thus far is D. Beckwith. Is he working out with the wide receiver group or is he with, with the tight end group at this point? Where do you project him to contribute most since he's a twinner type player? Austin? I know that T said that he's kind of bouncing back between the rooms, and I think he did that earlier um, in the summer, but I, I think more now he's more tight end than he is anything else. So, uh, 
you know, D had to miss some time. Like others have had to miss time and that's just going to happen. But when you're a freshman and you didn't get here till summertime, when, when you, when you have to miss a little bit of time, then, you know, that's going to set you back a little bit, but he'll be fine. The coaches really like him. And, uh, you know, when, when he was, when he was out there before he had to miss the time had garnered praise from the, from the coaching staff. All right. Uh, does the NCAA furlough Cade's appeal? The answer to that is no, they're not sending everyone at the NCAA home at one time. Those furloughs are taking place over an extended period of time. So that will not, they're not going to just lock the door and not look That's at the true hubs. I, I read it on the GQ that, that, that they're furloughing everybody. No, they're, they are furloughing everybody, but they're furloughing them over an extended period of time, not all at one time. Apple Orange wants to know, Rob Lewis, if basketball season begins today, who's Barnes' starting five? Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, he could go anyway. I'll, I'll, I'll throw out Victor Bailey, Keon Johnson, Jaden Springer, Eve Ponds, and John Fulgerson. But that could, that could be – I could have a different answer next week. There's, they're going to be – seven, eight guys that play 20-plus minutes a game. Long-term, how do you guys think this crazy new normal and season impacts new coaches in the SEC? Does this keep them around longer or hasten their departures when it's all said and done? Well, I think, I think we'll must chance love it. Yeah, and I think the new coaches, it's a mulligan year for Lane Kiffin and Mike Leach, provided that they handled themselves, you know, off well, the field. There's no issues I, there. I think from a football standpoint, it's a bit of a mulligan year. I think it's a mulligan year period across college football. And, and, and what I'm saying is, is I think it has a, a, an impact at the power five level, even when, at the smaller levels. Like, you know, for months, there's been a lot of speculation and rumor out there that the coach at TSU could be out at the end of the year, which means that someone like maybe T. Martin would be an option there. Well, that's probably not going to be the case. So all of a sudden, there's a trickle-down effect with assistant coaches, not just head coaches. You know, so I, I think that, you know, there's an impact across college football, even from the smallest levels. And, yeah, and I don't think point. anybody's paying a multi-million dollar buyout this year. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe some super rich booster just gets, you know, fed up and, and cuts a check. But I don't think any athletic department is, is paying somebody, you know, five, six, eight million dollars to fire them when, when they're losing revenue like they are this year when, when you're talking about losing 30 to 40 million dollars worth of revenue all right rob well, we see some things defensively from coach barnes that we've not seen since he's been in knoxville because of the athletic makeup of this team i mean he, he said he, he point blank said that himself last week and, and and talking with him you know privately he's he's you know kind of hinted at that what the, what that looks like you know, I don't know that they press more. I mean, he's used he's used a little one two two in the past, but more as like a token thing to to burn some some time off the shot clock. Um, I can just tell you that that he loves the the defensive makeup of this team for the athleticism that that Keon, that Jaden, uh, that Victor Bailey is going to bring to the table. You throw them in with a guy like Eve Pons and and Fulke is not the most physical guy, but he's he can certainly move his feet and and he's long. Um, he's more, I mean, fans are more excited about, you know, the mixtapes they've seen of Keon and Jaden dunking on people. Rick is way more excited about the defensive possibilities that he's, he has with his team. And I think that that will be a strength in that question. Don't you, don't you find that a little interesting that, that he's talking defense with a bunch of newcomers? Because as you mentioned, it's about AAU it's dunks about, that's not playing a lot of defense coming in. Most I of the think, time I that's the these, transition. These two kids are special in their middle makeup. 
mean, they really are. I mean, they, they both care about defense. They're both, they're both wired the right way. You, you don't have to coach them up on how important it is to, to, to play hard on that end of the floor. I mean, they, they both get it. And I, I think fans will see that out of the gate. All right. I'm going to combine these two questions here from Logan and uh, Dagley07. A lot of positive feedback from Winky on JG. Uh, do you think that the smaller crowd, second season in the same system, finally helped him bridge the gap from a great practice player to a good game day quarterback? If so, what kind of ceiling do you think he has? Last year, it was pretty clear that the Garantano you guys saw and the coaches saw in practice didn't show up in most games. Can you all talk a little bit about what uh, about that and what made you all, plus the coaches, so sure he was the best chance to win? Uh, how much was him versus the backups not being there at all? Is this what we're hearing from the coaches the last two weeks different than just last, the last two years? Well, I think so, more than anything, it's because the coaches see it every day in practice, see all the mental busts. So, I mean, like, yeah, from the backups, a while, From the backups, well, right? From the backups, yes. Um, you know, I think after a while, J.G.'s play warranted the old, well, we got to try something. And so, thus, they went to Maurer. And, you know, and he ran down the wall walking. He high-fived everybody, hugs, and he was wooing. And he I was wish everybody could see AP right and, now. I wish everybody you know, could see AP. Then threw him into triple Spirit coverage, hands. you know several times um and then of course Shroud you know again I just was not ready not everybody's ready to play even as a redshirt sophomore I mean or a redshirt freshman so I mean you know this whole notion that Harrison Bailey's just rolling in here on the white horse to you know throw the trident from Anchorman is just is is, is erroneous so um at the end of the day JG wasn't ready to play even maybe even last year Sometimes it takes a while. I mean, how many times, Rob, have you said the people that discount, you know, player X or player Y, when you look at Rick Barnes' track record of development, are discounting the, the track record of development? Because it, it sometimes it takes longer to click. So who's to say that JG doesn't click, having the same voice, whether it be from the quarterback's coach or offense coordinator for two straight years, understanding things that are looking the same for two consecutive years? I think it definitely can happen. Now, he's still got to go out and prove it, and I understand why everybody's skeptical. Yeah, I mean, I think that – and the short answer for me is that it, year two in the same system has to be You're able saying to, I didn't give to, a short answer? It has to help. Um, you lost me at Trident. Um, I, I think year two in the answer in, in for JG has to be better, Rob. I mean, it has to be. I think they gave JG too much freedom at the start of last year. And I think that backfired on him. I think they let him have too much on his plate. I think they will not do that this year. I think he's more comfortable with what Jim Chaney's looking for. Does that mean he's going to go out and be an all-conference quarterback? Nobody's saying that. But I do think uh, that, that he's going to be a better football player than he was a year ago simply because of the familiarity around him. I agree. And I, I don't mean this to be a flippant, smart-out answer, but you're paying a guy $1.5 million to coach him. I think that's another reason to expect him to be better two years in. All right, let's uh, run through a couple more right quick here. Um, one game out of a big game you've got circled as a possibility that Tennessee uh, could win, that they'll be picked to lose. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, Auburn, A&M. Uh, what game you got? Well, I mean, I, to me it's easy to say Florida because instead of playing them early, you're playing them the last game of the year. And who knows what either team will look like at that point. Yeah, I'm going to go with either A&M or Auburn because I, I think would, one, of those two team, one of those two teams are going to be a disappointment. 
And I don't I'm know which go, one, but one of them is. And I'm going to go. And I'm going to go with Georgia because. Whoa! But JT Daniels just arrived. He's going to have a couple of games under his belt. Yeah, they've got talent there, but who knows how it all meshes together? No one knows what that quarterback meshing and the fact there's no Jamie Newman behind him. I mean, like if something happens to JT Daniels, where are they going to be at from a quarterback standpoint? No, there's They're going to no be in a mess. No doubt about that. I just think Jeremy Pruitt knows Auburn really well. I think they lost a lot. And I think there's a chance one of those two, Auburn or A&M, is going to be a disappointment from where all the preseason well, Both of those have huge questions on the offensive line, which is, to me, always you know, kind of a red flag in college football. Both of them they literally just about lost everybody up front. All right, last two questions here. Braves Vol, uh, this isn't really an important question, but do you think they're going to reveal what the black uniforms will look like ahead of time, or do you think they'll play it up like a game week reveal? Just curious as to, as to what you think they will look like. I don't know how they're going to play that. My guess is they will reveal those sometime ahead of time. Probably will be the week of the game, like at a Monday press conference or, or a Tuesday player press conference when, when that would be revealed would be my guess. And then uh, last question here. We've heard a lot about, uh, about a lot of the freshmen, but not much at all about the freshmen on the defensive line. What are you guys hearing? Are you hearing anything on Thomas and Bailey? No, not here in a ton, you know. Um, That's not surprising with all of the guys that they have. Yeah, they got a ton of bodies in front of them. I mean, and, no one's no one no one is going I don't think he's very good. No one's saying that. They're just saying, you know, hey, they've got you know, they to climb ahead on the depth chart, they're going to have to climb through like 10 guys and 10 guys that have played football that have a, you know, that are ready and have that college body already and and I think that, you know, for for Dominic and for for Big O, it's just a matter of, you know, it's just a matter of time, but you've got to have time. They've not had it. Well, and here's the thing, too. There's a couple of guys who have come through this program that are really good players on the defensive interior, really good players who made a lot of money in the NFL who weren't ready to play as freshmen, who I would call elite. I mean, John Henderson, he was a partial, couldn't play, but he wasn't ready to do John Henderson things as a freshman. Albert Hainsworth obviously uh, wasn't there. So that that's the hardest position – I think one of the hardest positions to transition from high school to, because Rob, you just, you know, if you're big and, and got some power, a lot of those guys, they just bull rushed everybody every play in high school. Sure. That's not how it works when you line I mean, up across some trace. Technique is a big deal. Yeah, it is. Going against, you know, the kind of size and, and skill you're going to get in sitting in the offensive line. And yeah. I mean, I think it's hard as a freshman to play on the offensive line, but I think it's harder to play on the defensive line because of what you're talking about, the, you know, those guys, if you if you're an SEC defensive lineman as a high school player, I mean you you bullied everybody for you know three or four years, and you're not worried about your first step. You're not worried about you know where where your hand goes on the on the guy's chest, or you know that kind of thing for for three or four years playing high school football. You you've destroyed people, and yeah. it's it's a whole new ball game. It certainly is. All right, my last question to you guys, then we'll get out to the gate here. Does the Big Ten unveil a season plan in the next week? Yes. You think so? I mean, I think – I mean, just looking at Michigan, the way – the pressure that, that's up there, the, the, I mean, the stuff you hear about all the coaches, it, I, you know, I, I kind of, like, discount the coaches a little bit. But they wouldn't be so vocal if there were a lot of big money people that had influence behind them. I think, you know, backing them up to make sure that – you know, they didn't get 
get heat for the administration. I, I, I kind of, I'm with Austin. I kind of think they do. It's going to be fascinating to see what happens there with the presidents and where all of that stands over the course of the next coming days. Because uh, as more teams play, more games are played. We've got, we had games last night. We got more games coming up tomorrow. As more of those happen, the pressure is going to mount if there's not any repercussions for those games. If there's not any downside to those kids playing games, I think the pressure is going to mount. It's going to be fascinating to see what the university presidents do up there uh, over the next week or so. Hey, guys, I've been telling you about this for a while. That's the uh, Blue Water Climate Control uh, 79-99 tune-up that they've got going on. Uh, we know the summer is here. The summer heat is here. The humidity is here. Uh, the most practical thing you can do is avoid wasting money this time of year. We know in September it's still going to be hot. Summer's not over at the, end of the, at the end of August. As we roll into September, we know the humidity around here is not going away. If you're having air, control, air conditioning issues or you haven't had your system cleaned up and tuned up, you need to do so. Give Blue Water Climate Control uh, a call today and let them set up an appointment for you for a tune-up, or if you're having issues, let them come out and do the repair the right way the first time. All of their repairs come with a one-year guarantee. For more information on their tune-up and all their other services, give them a call at 865-299-2290 or book an appointment online. You can go to bluewaterclimatecontrol.com, pick a day and a time that works best for you. For more on Blue Water Climate Control, check them out online at their website, bluewaterclimatecontrol.com. For Austin Price and Rob Lewis, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us for this mailbag edition of the BallQuest.com podcast. Have a great Friday, everybody.